I'm going to read a couple different verses. I'm going to read from Psalms, and uh, each one of them. I'm going to read from Psalm 8, Psalm 97, and Psalm 147. Psalm 8 is going to be verse 1. It's, O Lord, our God, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. And Psalm 97, 9 says, For you, O Lord, are the most high over all the earth. You're exalted far above all gods. And then Psalm 147, verses 2 through 5. It says, The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcasts of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars. He gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. And this God that we worship and we serve came to die for us. There is strength within the sorrow There is beauty in our tears And you meet us in our mourning With a love that casts out fear You are working in our waiting Sanctifying us When beyond our understanding You're teaching us to trust your plans are still to prosper. You have not forgotten us. You're with us in the fire and the flood. You're faithful forever, perfect in love. You are sovereign Our wisdom unimagined Who could understand your ways Reigning high above the heavens Reaching down in endless grace You're the lifter of the lowly Compassionate and kind You surround and you hold me And your promises are mighty light Your plans are still the grasping have not forgotten us You're with us in the fire And the world You're faithful forever Perfect in love You are sovereign over 
enemy means for evil You turn it for our good You turn it for our good And for your glory And even in the valley you are faithful You're working for our good You're working for our good And for your glory As I lead us in prayer this morning, I want us to remember that when we pray together on Sunday mornings, we have a host of needs we want to bring before the Lord and pray for people who've had surgeries and people in the hospital, of course, and we always want to be kingdom-minded in our prayers as well, because our desire is that everyone hear the gospel. We want everybody to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. We want everybody in this community to have multiple opportunities, every man, woman, boy, and girl, to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ that alone can save. And so as we're praying this morning about physical needs, let us not forget to pray about spiritual needs as well and pray for the lost to be saved and even that we might be the means through which God might work to bring them into the kingdom. After I pray, we'll uh, have the morning offering. The ushers will come and the children will be dismissed for children's church. But let's go to the Lord together in prayer. Father, we come before you this morning and we praise you and we thank you that you are sovereign over us. Father, that Jesus Christ, your son, has come into this world and didn't just lay in a manger but lived a sinless life and went to the cross and paid the penalty for our sins and he rose again and he's coming again. So Father, in this we rejoice. This is a fixed truth, Lord, that Jesus Christ is Lord and reigns as king, and is coming again. Father, right now we look and we see people in our church family that are hurting, some with illness, recovering from surgeries, some going through some marital difficulties and relationship issues and problems at work, some looking for work. 
There's many needs represented, God, and we've asked, God, that you would help us and meet those needs and help us to know that in the midst of it, you're working for your glory and for our good. You're with us in the fire and in the flood. And Father, our hearts and our minds turn to those who don't know Jesus. We pray, we pray right now, Father, that everybody would hear the gospel. We pray for them not only to hear it, but be saved. We pray for our own community here, that you would help us to be ready to share the reason for the hope that's in us. And as people are thinking more about Christmas right now, and perhaps there might be a little bit more receptivity to, to hearing us talk about Christ. So help us to be looking in, for those opportunities and, and ready to, to pounce upon those opportunities as well. We pray for people outside our community. pray for people in other nations where the gospel has not even been preached, where it's not been heard. Lord, we pray that you'll, you'll give opportunity there. We pray for you to empower our missionaries like Crystal and Brandon and, and others serving in other places in the world that you would encourage and strengthen them to proclaim the gospel. Lord, we thank you for the freedom that we have to, to proclaim the good news of Jesus and to worship freely. We, we know that Many years ago, Lord, now, it was when our nation was attacked on, at Pearl Harbor, Father, and many, many gave their lives, uh, Lord, and we thank you for how you continue to give us a, a freedom here, Lord, through our military, through our soldiers, Lord, just through your sovereignty, that we can worship freely. God, we pray that you'll help us to, to uh, not take that for granted, Lord, but also to Use this freedom to spread the gospel while we can. Lord, be with us now as we worship together and continue to, to bless us, Lord, with your presence. I pray that you would bless the taking up the offering this morning, the collecting of it, Lord, the giving of it. May you be used to further your kingdom. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you, Nev, for using your talents to serve the Lord this morning. We appreciate that. What are you wrapped up in this Christmas season? Literally wrapped up in. Excitement of what you're going to have, some of us might be. Uh, for some of us, we're wrapped up in sadness of what we don't have or what we used to have. And then for a lot of folks, you may be wrapped up in the stress of what you need to be doing right now. And what I want to remind us of this morning is uh, it's critical for us, whether it's Christmas season or any season, really, uh, if we're going to have persevering joy, no matter what season of life, that we need to be wrapped up in the blessings that God's given us in Jesus Christ, the blessings that we do have, the spiritual blessings that we do have. And the Bible tells us that Jesus brings with him every spiritual blessing. So I want you to take your Bible this morning and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, I'll begin with verse 3. Please stand with me as we honor God in the reading of his word together this morning. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, I'm going to read down through verse 14. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, if you don't have a Bible, there should be one underneath the chair you're sitting in or close to you. Verse 3 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, 
even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. Verse 8, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Him we have, redempt, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him, who works all things according to the counsel of His will. Verse 12, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. In Him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Verse 14, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. Let's pray together again. Our Father, I thank You for Your Word. And I praise You, God, that You've given us it. We ask now that You would enable us to have eyes to see the beauty of the blessings of the gospel. Enlighten us, Lord. Enlighten us and affect our hearts so that whatever season of life we may be experiencing, God, that we might have a sustaining joy as we seek to walk through it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You can be seated. So the Bible tells us right here in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, that in Him, in Christ Jesus, we have every spiritual blessing. Now, I don't know about you, but I think that means we're blessed. If we have every spiritual blessing, we're not lacking anything. If you're in Christ, you're not lacking anything spiritually in the heavenly places. So Jesus... When he comes to earth and is born in a manger, he brings with him, and then through his atoning work on the cross and his resurrection and his ascension, he brings with him every spiritual blessing that we could possibly have in the heavenly places. And so this morning as we find ourselves perhaps wrapped up in the emotions of the season, whether that be sadness of what we don't have or used to have or the excitement of what we want to have or the stress of what we need to do, what we need to do is unwrap and open up and be wrapped in again the blessings of the gospel so that we have a sustaining joy in the midst of all seasons. And so this morning, I want us to look at these blessings that are unfolded for us in verses 3 through 14. You know what it's like at Christmas time or birthdays or whenever families gather, and especially at Christmas time with little kids and grandkids and so forth. That's what really makes it fun, isn't it? Because you get to watch them open the presents. You know, I remember when our kids were very little and talking to Deanna, like, you know, you give them something and they didn't even know what was going on when they're just like one or so maybe. But, but we were thinking, you know, when they get older, there's a certain age, it's really going to be fun, Right? And you get to watch them and you get to see the expressions on their faces the, or, or whatever. And then sometimes they're playing with a box instead of the toy or whatever it might be. And, but, but it's a good time. When they open up the present, they go, yeah, that's what I wanted. 
And that's how it ought to be for us when we look at these blessings. We're, we're going to unwrap them, and the intent is for us to do what it says in verse 3. How does verse 3 start off? Blessed. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean like he blesses us, like, like we're going to do something for him, as if he needs something. But when the Bible says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, what, 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 what's going on there? What's Paul the apostle, the inspired apostle, doing here? He's praising God. And that's supposed to be the intent for us. He's leading the congregation at Ephesus to unwrap the spiritual blessings. He's leading them in worship by the power of the Holy Spirit to say, look at this. Praise God, this is what I need. I don't have this and I don't have this, but look at what I have in Christ Jesus in the heavenly places. And so as we unwrap these blessings this morning, the intent is to say, is for you to say, amen, preacher, preach it, Pastor Steve. Look, that's what we have. Now, you may not do that. You could do it at a ball game or other times, but, you know, maybe you're just kind of quiet this morning. But let it be in your heart that you're blessing God, you're praising God. Because you may not have this, and you want, you want to have this, or, or you're stressed out about this, but look at what you got in the heavenly places that really matters, right? Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, and one of those, one of those is this. We are chosen for adoption. Chosen for adoption. Look at what the Bible says in verse 4. Galatians, or excuse me, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 says, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. This is an election year right now, and, and unfortunately, and as we consider candidates, their political platforms, their past history, or whatever it might be, and their qualifications, then you consider how you might cast your vote. When it comes to the election that takes place before the foundation of the world, because that word chose comes from a Greek word uh, that means election, sometimes translated election. There's an election that took place before the world was ever created. And it's not as if all the angels got to cast a vote, and, and, but, but there was one, 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 one person that cast his vote, so to speak. One person that picked whom he wanted to be his children, and that was God. God, God chose, God elected, he predestined, as it says in the next verse, and he didn't do that based on looking at our qualifications. He didn't do that looking and saying, that person is holy and blameless, so I'm going to choose him. I'm going to elect him. I'm going to predestine that that person's saved. That's not what he did, because why? Because none of us are holy and blameless, right? Notice what it says. In the Bible, here in verse 4, even as he chose him before the foundation of the world, that, you see the middle part of verse 4? Look at the middle of verse 4. That we should be holy and blameless. So we were not holy, we were not blameless, but God chose us anyway. He picked us anyway. He elected us. He predestined us. He called us to himself. He cast his vote in eternity past before he ever created the world that we would be his children if you're saved, that you would be his child. He did that. And we're supposed to see that and we're supposed to say, bless God, praise God. He has chosen me for adoption. He's chosen me for his son. Praise God. 
So we see that God alone does this. God alone has made this choice. He's God alone is elected, and his decision is unconditional. It's not based on the condition of us having been holy enough or, or good enough or, or, or this enough, but he simply did it anyway. Praise God, because otherwise we're all sinners and none of us would ever qualify. None of us would meet the standard. Romans chapter 9, verse 10 through 12 elaborates upon this fact, and I'll turn over and read it if I can find it. Romans chapter 9, verse 10 through 12 says this, And not only so, but when Rebekah had conceived children by one man, one her father, forefather Isaac, though they were not yet born, and had done nothing either good or bad, in order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of works, but because of him who calls, she was told, the older will serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. So before God, before they were ever born, before they'd done anything good or bad, God said, I want Jacob. Don't want Esau. I want Jacob. That's what I'm going to do. Not based on how good they're going to be or how, or how bad they are, but I'm just, that's, that's what I'm going to do. That's the one I'm going to, that's what I'm going to do my will through. And that's what God has done for us. He didn't, so our salvation is not contingent upon us. It's contingent upon God's choice of us. Amen? So that, there's great assurance in that if you really understand it. But who's going to understand it? Who can, who can understand the mind of God? Who can reconcile God's sovereignty and human responsibility? I sure can't. But I can submit myself to Scripture and say, bless God. He chose, he chose his people. He chose me for, what's it say in verse 5? He chose us for adoption. He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. We were not holy and blameless. It, God chose us that we should be holy and blameless. But on what basis did he did this? Did he do this? Well, not because we were holy and blameless. But I want you to think about this for a moment. When Dan and I got married and we were living in a little tiny two-bedroom home in southern Indiana. Uh, we were hoping to start a family pretty quick, and one day I come home, and she came, and she showed me this pregnancy test, a positive pregnancy test. And I took that thing and went on to the back porch and stood looking at that pregnancy test, and I said, Woo! And... It was a pregnancy test. It wasn't a baby or anything like that. And I didn't know if it was going to be a boy or a girl. Whether it was going to be good or bad or whatever. How it was going to turn out. I didn't know what teenagehood was going to be like or anything like that. Just, I loved this baby, which was a pregnancy test, but I loved this baby that was coming, right? That's how we are before little baby Jack was ever born. Y'all are loving him. You're looking forward to that. But you know how it is when you're, before your children are born, you're longing for that day to come when they'll, they'll be born and be in your grasp. Amanda and Bo are excited looking for that day of grasping this little one that they anticipate, right? They love. Look at what scripture says. What basis? Verse, the end of verse four says, in love. Why did God make us his children? Not because of anything in us, simply because he loved us. And maybe you need to be reminded this morning, child of God, 
who's messed up yesterday, who's not focused on Jesus like you need to be right now. Maybe you need to be reminded, guess what? He loves you. Still does. He did before you ever, you were ever even thought of what my dad used to say. We loved you, son, before you ever even thought of. We were loved before we were ever created. Before you ever created this world, he loved you. And what basis, on what basis is God's predestined choice? It's in his love. But you know, this analogy of loving one of our unborn biological children is insufficient. It's an insufficient analogy because we are not all God's children. In fact, if you look in your Bible in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3, look, at, look with me what it says. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath. We're children of wrath. You know what wrath is? Yeah. Anger. By nature, we're not children of God. Yes, created in His image, but by nature, our spiritual relationship with God is one of, we're children of wrath. We're not His children. So, the analogy of thinking about our love before our biological children were ever born is not sufficient because we had to be adopted into His family. He loved us and adopted us. We were children of wrath and he had to adopt us into sin. We were children of wrath. We were going the opposite direction. We were just the opposite, definitely not holy and blameless. But his adoption was unconditional as well. Verse 6 says, to the praise of his glorious grace, or excuse me, he predestined us, it says in verse 5, for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, the end of verse 5, According to the purpose of His will. Not according to what we had done good or bad, but according to the purpose of His will. This adoption was unconditional. So yes, we need to be wrapped up in this spiritual blessing of adoption. <laughs> Amen, church? Shouldn't we be wrapped up in the fact that, look, I don't know what, what, what's, how this situation is going to turn out or what that's going to be or whatever and, that, and that's causing me stress or this is causing me anxiety or loneliness or whatever it might be. But I do know this. I'm a child of the living God. I've been adopted and that's a blessing that we should be wrapped up in. But how we're adopted and why we're adopted is also a spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's part of the point here. Not just adoption, but that we're chosen for adoption. We didn't earn our adoption. God didn't go to the, the spiritual orphanage and say, wow, I'm really impressed with Ryan Horrell. And I think I'll just choose him to be my son. No, he looked out through the spiritual orphanage of the world and he loved his people. He called his people and he chose them and, and saved them. The how and why of adoption is a spiritual blessing. Now, uh, Deanna gets, on, uh, gets tickled at me because I get caught up in trying to pick out Christmas gifts for the kids and family and stuff. And cause I, you know, I want to pick out something they like and all that and, and uh, spend too much time on Amazon.com trying to find them presents and things like that. And, um, 
But you know, the Bible says, you know, if, if earthly fathers know how to give good gifts to their children, don't we know that a heavenly father knows how to give good gifts to his, a lot better gifts? One of the things he's given us is a golden chain. Some of you want jewelry for Christmas. Maybe you're not going to get it. Maybe that's what you used to get from somebody you loved, and you know you're not going to get it. But you know what? God's given us a golden chain in Romans chapter 8. A golden chain in Romans chapter 8. And notice what it says in verse 30. Romans chapter 8, verse 30, talks about those he's chosen, those he's called, those whom he's predestined, those whom he's chosen to be for adoption. He says about this in Romans chapter 8, verse 30. Those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. A lot of theologians have called that the golden chain of redemption, golden chain of salvation. In other words, it's an unbroken thing. I mean, if he, if he predestined us, if he elected us, he chose us, then he's, he's calling us. And if he called us, we will be justified. And if we will be justified, we've been glorified. It's like a done deal. It's like past tense right there. It's going to happen. We are saved. Amen? It's a go That's his gift to us. That's the reason verse 3 starts off, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has what? Blessed us. He's blessed us. He's given the golden chain of the gospel to us. He's adopted us. He's made us his children. And so we need to be wrapped up in this. There's security in that. I'm not earning this. I'm not trying to be good enough for this. This is something that, was, that, that he did, and it blows my mind. I don't understand it all, but he did it before the foundation of the world. He made me his child. And in time, he caused me to be born again by his grace. So one gospel blessing to be wrapped up in is just to be reminded, folks, that he truly loves his children. We've been chosen for adoption. Secondly, we've been redeemed and forgiven. How could God justly adopt children of wrath? Remember, we're children of wrath by nature. We're not holy and blameless, remember? So how can he make people that are not holy and, that are not holy and blameless, that are children of wrath, how can he justly make them his own children and treat him just like he treats Jesus. See them just like he sees Jesus. Love them just like he loves his own son, Jesus. Well, verse 7 tells us, and it tells us that we're in debt to God. We need redemption, right? You see that in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7? I'm trying to find it in my Bible here. Verse 7 says this, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. So we see there again, just to underscore the fact that we, if, if, if in him, if in Christ, we have redemption, that means without Christ we're not redeemed. So apart from God's grace, we're not redeemed, we're underneath the slavery of something is what that means, and it says forgiveness of our, what? Trespasses. You know, there's no trespassing signs sometimes when you're out hunting around and you're tempted to cross the line and it's because the grass looks greener on the other side. Maybe that buck's just waiting on the other hill. But you're trespassing. 
The Bible says there's boundaries that God set up. He's the king. He's in control. But when we, but we cross the line, we miss the mark, we sin. It's another word for sin. It's trespassing. And we've all done it. So we needed to be redeemed. We needed to be forgiven of our trespasses. And how has God done that? How can he make people that sin against him do uh, right with him and be his children? Well, you know the answer already if you're looking at your Bible. You can guess these answers before I ever get to them if you're just looking at your Bible. What's it say? Through his blood. A price had to be paid. We were in debt to God. Yet the Son of God paid our debt. You're talking about being loved, folks. You're talking about a spiritual blessing. We've been redeemed. We've been forgiven of our trespasses. And it's through the blood of Jesus. You know, and so we're chosen to be his adopted sons, but he had to plan the death of his son. Isn't that amazing? Chosen to be his adopted sons, but he had to plan the death of his own son. Look at verse, look at verse 8 and 9. It says, He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time. So there was a purpose set forth in Christ, a plan for the fullness of time. As it goes on to say, unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. This plan was a plan to redeem us for the glory of Christ and the glory of the Father to redeem us and forgive us of our sins. It took place through the Lord Jesus Christ. So one of the spiritual blessings is we've been chosen and we've been adopted, chosen for adoption. We're redeemed and forgiven. You think of how you blew it last week or you're blowing it right now in your marriage or you're struggling with some kind of indwelling sin and you come this morning and maybe you felt like a hypocrite for walking in these doors. Sometimes people say, well, if I come to church, the roof would fall in on me. Listen, if that's true, the roof would done fell in every time I come in here. I'd get here first on Sunday mornings. It'd fell in before you ever got here. The fact of the matter is is that we're redeemed and forgiven. Isn't it good to know when the Lord convicts you of something Sometimes, you know, you just, all I can do is just bow my head and say, Father, please forgive me. And you know what the Bible says? He's faithful and just. Forgive me of my sins and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. Amen? I just bow my head and say, Lord God, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I shouldn't have done that. And he forgives me. Why does he do that? Because he looks at the blood of Jesus that's covered my soul that he determined to happen before the foundation of the world. He says, you're covered. You're forgiven. You're redeemed. Now, walk in the joy of that. Walk in the, be wrapped up in the spiritual blessing of that. And there's a third spiritual blessing we can look at here in this passage of Scripture. We said we're chosen for adoption and redeemed and forgiven. And thirdly, we're guaranteed an inheritance. I like that word guaranteed. I like it because not I said it because it's right here in the Bible. I didn't make it up. Guaranteed. Now, I just ain't into this theology that says you can lose your salvation, and you ought to know that by now if you know me. Because it ain't right. I mean, if something's guaranteed and then you don't get it, there wasn't no guarantee. You know these money-back guarantees you get on some of this stuff, and then you find out, well, that wasn't really a guarantee after all. Well, you think the Lord is like that? You think the Lord guarantees something then don't back it up? Well, look at what the Bible says here. Well, we know the Lord ain't like that. No, no, look at what the Bible says in verse 11. In Him, we've obtained something. In Jesus, we've obtained an inheritance. Now, what is an inheritance? 
An inheritance is something that you don't have in hand, but you've been promised, but you don't have in hand yet to fully enjoy. When my dad inherited a rifle from my uncle, my brother, before he ever got that, my brother said, I want that, Dad, when you die. <laughs> and so, occasionally we thought my dad, when, we got, when my uncle died, that my brother would get to use the gun every once in a while, but he wouldn't be able to fully enjoy it. But finally, Dad just gave it to him because he didn't want to be bugged to death, you know, until the day he died about it. <laughs> so it is with the blessings that we have been promised in Christ. We have an inheritance. And many of those things we're able to enjoy, but not in its fullest extent. But what does Scripture say here? In Him we've obtained an inheritance. We have it having been predestined according to the purpose of Him, who works all things according to the counsel of His will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. Let's keep reading. In Him also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Notice what it says in verse 14. You ready? Listen to verse 14. Look at your Bible if you're not. Who is the guarantee? See it? He's the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. We're not in full enjoyment, hands-on yet, until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So what has God done to guarantee a full enjoyment of all the promises that we have through Christ Jesus? What's the Bible say? Well, first of all, the Bible says, when you heard. You see that? When you heard... And you believed in him. Are you looking at verse uh, 13? In him also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So when does a person receive the Holy Spirit? When they believe in Christ. When you believe in Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit. It's as if he's a, 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 down pa- a deposit or a, or a down payment, almost, so to speak. Anyway, you receive the Holy Spirit and you know you've got the promises to come. You're not waiting for the Holy Spirit subsequent to salvation. That happens the moment you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You're sealed with the Holy Spirit. In fact, Ephesians chapter 4, I believe it's verse 30 says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed temporarily. Does it say that? No. It says, by whom you were sealed until the day of redemption. Glory, amen? I'm sealed until the day I sin, until the day I blow it with my wife, until the day I sin this much. No, I'm sealed until the day of redemption. Amen? We ought to be wrapped up in that blessing. That is a guarantee. And it's meant for us to sustain our joy, to sustain us when we when we'd say, oh, I've just sinned so much, I can't go on anymore. I'll just go ahead and sin some more and all that kind of stuff. No, preach the blessings to yourself. Preach the gospel to yourself. Remind one another of spiritual blessings. Be in a church consistently every Sunday where the gospel's being sung and being preached and being taught. Because that's what's going to sustain you. Now, here's why all this is so important. I've really already got to it, these spiritual blessings. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit, but we are not always filled. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18 says, Do not get drunk with wine, 
but be filled with the Holy Spirit. So don't be under the control of wine, of alcohol, but be under the control of the Holy Spirit. Now why does Paul the Apostle say that to these Ephesian Christians? They're sealed with the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. But he says, be filled, why? Because they're not always filled with the Holy Spirit. We're not always filled with the Holy Spirit. We're not always under the control of the Holy Spirit like we ought to be. We sin. That's why, beginning with Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, several times the Apostle Paul uses the word walk. In fact, the first verse of chapter 4 says, walk in a manner worthy of the gospel to which you've been called, worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Walk, walk, walk. It's all through those verses, chapter 4 through chapter 5. Verse 10, chapter 6, verse 10. All about our walk. We're supposed to have a spirit-filled walk. And it looks like this. It means walking in love toward one another, forgiving one another, right? Is that easy? Why shoot? No, it ain't easy. Is it easy uh, loving each other? Is it easy putting up with each other? Is it even bearing with one another? He talks about all that at the end of that in chapter 4. And then he says, walk as light in the world in chapter 5. We're supposed to shine as light in the world. We're supposed to look different than the world. And sometimes we don't because we're not under control of the Holy Spirit. And to top it all off, when you come to Ephesians chapter 6, beginning with verse 10, 11, somewhere and following, we find out we're not only supposed to be in walking a spiritual walk, but we're engaged in a spiritual war. There's spiritual war. And one reason it's not easy to walk in the spirit is because there's satanic forces that are battling against us. And so, knowing that, Paul writes the book of Ephesians under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. I remember playing uh, football when I was a preteen and the first time getting knocked down and I hit the ground. It wasn't the first time I got knocked down. The first time I got knocked down like this and I couldn't breathe and I thought I was going to die. And I'd got the wind knocked out of me and I never had the wind knocked out of me before. You ever had the wind plum knocked out of you? You feel like you're going to die. Some guy came up and started pumping my legs. And I didn't, what is he doing? You know, I'm about to die here. Don't mess with my legs. Finally, I recovered all right. Sometimes you're going along in life and you just get these gut punches. And you just, you just got the wind plumb knocked right out of you. Maybe it was a phone call about a granddaughter and, or, a, or a grandson or was a, uh, somebody in the hospital or a call at work saying, hey, we, we're going to have to lay you off for the next month or bills coming in you weren't expecting or, or finding out something's happening in a relationship you have and you just get punched right in the gut and it's knocking the wind out of your sails and the only thing that's going to sustain you is what we're talking about here. It's only this. The only thing fixed and guaranteed is what's right here in these verses. And so we build our life on anything else. It's like sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. So it's these spiritual blessings that we must be wrapped up in all the time to sustain us when we get the... Wind knocked right out of us. And we don't know what's going to happen. Maybe some of you are sucking for air this morning when you walked in this sanctuary. And God's being gracious enough to remind you of what he's done for us in Jesus to fill you with his spirit. So do you see Jesus laying in the manger? 
See him in the manger lay? The Bible tells us in Ephesians 1 verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ. In that manger, that little baby, with Jesus, baby Jesus, comes every spiritual blessing. Everything you need to live a victorious Christian life, to be saved and to live a victorious Christian life and to sustain you in life comes in Jesus. We have every reason to praise Jesus. Not just Christmas season, but at all seasons. He is the, the old hymn says, He is the fount of every blessing. Amen. If you were to walk through these verses again, verse 3 and following, you would see so many times phrases like this we talked about in the youth class this morning. In Christ, in Him, through His blood, set forth in Christ, in Him, in Him you also. Over and over and over and over. Everything is centered in Christ, in Him, in Him, in Him, in Him, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. In Christ alone we have these promises. We have these guarantees. It's in Him. And so why not exalt Him and rejoice in Him and know Him? But He did not stay in that manger. He went to the cross. And it's through His blood that we're redeemed and forgiven and guaranteed an inheritance But the Bible tells us that he is in heavenly places. We have every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. And I want you to look in your Bible. I'm about done if you're curious, but at least that's what I think. But verse 17 says this. Paul's been talking about all these blessings, and now he just starts praying in verse 15. For this reason, now he starts to pray. And in verse 17, look at what he prays. He's praying that their eyes be opened, right? Look at it. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he's called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? What is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might? Look at verse 20. That he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Where is the babe now? He's in the heavenly places. Where's the spiritual forces that we fight? They're in heavenly places and he is seated over them. And you know what the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 2? We're seated there with him. We're seated with Christ. You don't believe it? Look at your Bible. Look at your Bible in verse 4. Spiritually speaking, we're seated with Christ, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved, verse six, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, right? Romans chapter eight, that gives us great assurance in this battle we fight against forces in heavenly places, knowing that we are seated with him already in heavenly places. So Paul prays here that they would simply be wrapped up in these spiritual blessings. Lord, may their eyes be enlightened. He prays in the end of Ephesians chapter 3, Lord, let them know the height and width and depth, all the dimensions of the love of Christ, so that we will endeavor to go through life and sing what's that old song, says, uh, let us then be true and faithful, trusting, serving every day. Remember the rest of it? Just one glimpse of him in glory will the toils of life repay. When we all get to heaven, 
What a day of rejoicing it's going to be when we all see Jesus. We'll sing, and yes, Baptists will even shout the victory. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me this morning? As you're bowing your head and closing your eyes, I, I want to plead with those of you who have not been born again. and Maybe you don't know if you have been. Maybe you don't know if you died, you go to heaven. I want to plead with you. Turn around. Turn around and trust in Jesus. Don't walk away from Christ. Admit that you've sinned against God and put all your trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Don't just say to yourself, I got saved, I did that a long time ago. Now, have you been, has your life been changed by Jesus? Are you trusting Him? Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Otherwise, you may just be one of these people that's religious and lost. One of these people that the Lord will say to one day, depart from me, I never knew you. I just didn't know you. Do you know the Lord? Call upon Him and be saved. I'd love to help you talk, talk, talk through that with you. We can talk now at the end of this service. Right now when we're singing this last song, or I can talk with you after the service is over. But you do what the Lord's telling you. Father, we come before you right now in these moments and thank you, Lord, for being good to us and thank you for these blessings that, that you've given us in Christ Jesus. Lord, you are to be praised, God. And Jesus alone is to be trusted in. So, Father, enable us to do so. Sustain us, Lord with the gospel, with good news in the midst of all kinds of bad news that we experience and hear all around us. We ask it for your glory. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's stand this morning and sing to our Lord Jesus Christ together. Let's stand and sing. You come with God speaking to you. Every blessing Tune my heart To sing thy grace Streams of mercy Never ceasing Call for songs Of loudest praise Teach me some Melodious sonnet Sung by flaming Tongues above Praise the mountain, fixed upon it, mount of thy redeeming Hitherto thy love has blessed me, thou hast brought me to this place, and I know thy hand will bring me safely home by thy good grace. Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God, he to rescue me from danger, interposed his precious To grace, how great a debtor Daily I'm constrained to be 
let thy goodness, thy fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. On that day when free from sinning, I shall see thy lovely face, full arrayed in blood washed linen. How I sing thy sovereign grace. Come, my Lord, no longer tarry. Bring thy promises to pass. For I know that power will keep me till I'm home with thee at this morning and as he comes and closes I want to remind you tonight we'll be going through part of Ephesians chapter 6 tonight you come back and worship with us at 6.30 now the senior high youth if I got it correct are not meeting tonight junior high youth you are meeting senior high youth you're not Bible drill still at 5 o'clock this evening and so uh, I'll be standing at the back doors I'd love a chance to chat with you talk with you pray with you uh, so you get my attention on your way out this morning but brother David she closes let us pray dear heavenly father I pray that you would be with us this day, be with us as we leave this place. I pray that we would take your word, take it with us, and share it with those outside. I pray that you would be with those who are sick and ill, those who have been in the hospital this week, the head of operations and such. I pray that you would be with them, that you would lay their, your hand on their bodies. Now, I pray that you would be with us as we go our separate ways. All this I ask in your most holy and precious name. Amen. What is the gospel? It all begins with God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God created the first man, Adam, and the first woman, Eve, to rule over the garden. God told them they could eat from any tree that they wanted to in the garden except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Everything was perfect in the garden. They had a perfect relationship with the land, a perfect relationship with each other, a perfect relationship with God until they chose to rebel against God and eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And it brought about separation between them and God. Man has always tried to bridge the separation on his own terms and in his own strength. Whether it's building a ladder of morality and trying to be good enough for God, or even in the Old Testament example, when men built a tower into the heavens trying to reach God on their own. A more contemporary example comes from 1961, when the Russians were first successful in sending a man into outer space. Upon returning, the Russian cosmonaut remarked, We have been to space, and we didn't find God or heaven there. A popular professor and author, C.S. Lewis, responded to the Russian cosmonaut. He said that looking for God in outer space is kind of like Hamlet, one of the characters in Shakespeare's plays, looking for Shakespeare in the attic of his home. Lewis said that for Hamlet to have a relationship with Shakespeare, Shakespeare would literally have to write himself into the story. That is the gospel. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life.
The Gospel is the account of God writing himself into human history. Almost 2,000 years ago, the Bible says that Jesus, in fulfillment to Old Testament prophecies, was born of a virgin. Even as a child, he lived a perfect life. At the age of 30, he began his public ministry. He attracted followers. For three years, he taught, he healed, and he made bold claims, such as saying that he alone was the only way to God. The religious and political leaders did not like these teachings. They invoked a riot against Jesus. They brought about false accusations leading to a trial and to a sentencing of death by public crucifixion. The Bible says that while Jesus hung on the cross, that God placed all of the sin of all of mankind on Jesus. Jesus hung on the cross as our substitute. God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. They took Jesus down from the cross and they put him in a tomb. They rolled a large stone at the entrance of the tomb so no one could get in or out. There were Roman soldiers who were posted on guard to keep people from coming to take Jesus's body. But on the third day, according to scripture, he rose again. After being seen by many eyewitnesses and giving instruction to his followers, he ascended back into the heaven, where he now sits at the right hand of God and serves as our advocate before the Father. So what does this have to do with you? The Bible says that we have all sinned and that we all fall short of God's standard of holiness. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There is no way to get rid of the burden of sin on our own. God calls all men everywhere to believe in Christ, repent of sins, and trust Christ to live a new life. As we look back and believe in what God has done through the crucifixion, the burial, and the resurrection, as we repent and turn from our sins, as we trust Jesus as our Savior and Lord, we have peace with God and the forgiveness of sins. So let's review. It all begins with God. Because of our sin, we are separated from God. The gospel is the account of God writing himself into human history. Jesus died in our place for our sins and rose again on the third day. As we believe in Christ, repent from our sins, and trust Jesus for new life, we have peace with God and forgiveness of sins. That is the gospel.